You don't become what you want because so much of wanting is about living in the space of what you don't have. I believe that we all share this common desire. We all want to be liked. We all want to be accepted. Everything we do in some way considers that fact. You don't have vision. You don't build your character because you know, you know, letting go of your ego. Thank you for listening. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of Changing Narrative with me, your host, Jay Shakur. I want to talk about today something I, I, I'm not sure how people are going to take it, but as we have seen the recent influx of immigrants at our southern border, and we've seen news report after news report about the conditions of the southern border and what that and those challenges and what that that brings for and means to us. As we get into that, as we talk about that, as we deal with that today, I want to focus and refocus in the context of it on black people. What do you mean? Immigration does not hurt the suburban white individual by and large. It does not. Of course, there may be some triple or ripple effects, if you will. But by and large, immigration hurts black people, particularly black Americans. And for the sake of sincerity, for the sake of being honest, for the sake of not having an agenda, I must say, I get the humanitarian humanitarian question that is being posed. We have thousands upon thousands, and in some cases, over time span, millions of immigrants coming and want to be in this country, some actually truly seeking asylum from a war-torn or poverty-stricken country. Some just want a better life, want to hatch out, want to build, want to carve out a better life for themselves and their children. I get the humanitarian um, efforts behind it. I get the humanitarian question that is posed and that it causes one to ask and to question and to ponder. However, with all things equal, with all things being equal, we have to look at the effects of this as it concerns the black community and what this means for black people. We yell and scream about gentrification. We yell and scream about they coming and doing this and they're building the Starbucks and the Whole Foods. But are we truly, are we really, are we sincerely talking about illegal immigration, which is championed by white liberals, unlike anything else, that and some other things? I want to talk about that. I want to talk about in the black community, why we choose our leaders, how we choose our leaders, and perhaps tell us, hey, we need some new leaders. We need some new voices because the ones we have for years upon years, decades upon decades have not led us in always in the right direction. We need better leaders in the black community. And they, and they don't need to be the celebrities. They don't need to be the, the, the athletes. I don't need my advice from LeBron, nor do I care what Beyonce has to say about political issues. I want her to sing. I want her to dance. And that's about it. I, w- I want to share some words about Malcolm X that, that, that get into that and talk about that and, 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 and expand upon that. Because he and many others have warned us about the, the, the unneeded influence and impact that celebrities have. I, I, I Boyce, Dr. Boyce Watkins tweeted something out a, uh, a few weeks ago, or a few days ago, rather, saying, 
We probably need to stop worshiping mentally ill celebrities. I 110% agree. So I want to play a clip. Speaking of our leadership in the black community and how it has failed us, I want to play a clip from a young man who completely, in my opinion, schooled uh, Roland Martin, in my humble opinion, schooled him, put him in his place. Because the thing about Roland Martin, let me make this clear. The thing about Roland Martin is this. Roland Martin is a race baiter. He is a race hustler. He's no different than a Al Sharpton or Jesse Jackson or Sean King. In that, without race, without racism, without what is perceived racist, he will not have an income. He would not be able to survive. He would not, it would, it would hurt his livelihood if all of a sudden we could wave a magic wand and racism disappeared because he profits off of the pain of black people. You would never hear him say, do for yourself, black people. You never hear him say that. What you would hear him say or pivot to say is a status mentality where he will where he will say and insinuate that black people need to need more government handouts, i.e. reparations, need more government uh, intrusion into their lives. And not necessarily the tried and true doctrine of hard work that Frederick Douglass, Booker T. Washington, real statesmen, real communicators, and real uh, leaders in the black community said at one point. He is that type. He's he he is pro white liberal, and they dictate much of his agenda. He is not pro black whatsoever. He's pro white liberal. He thinks he's woke, and he's not. And it's a sad state of affairs when someone as old as him been around and been on this planet as long as he has been, much longer than I have, and he still has an infantile level of thinking, and he still yells racist, 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 white supremacist, white supremacist, talking points. It's quite sad. You think you've been around and you've been around and you've played the game so long, you have better talking points, at least, right? But not. But instead of that, you just parrot what white liberals tell you to. So I want to. I want you guys to listen to this exchange where this young man, who's 21 years old, starting a school in Georgia for men, for black men, for boys, t- schools him about the necessity and importance of self responsibility, self sufficiency, and hard work. Listen to this we have to get out and go do for self in our own communities so okay, so, so define do for self when i say do for self you share well first of all he has to define do for self because i'm pretty sure roland martin doesn't know what the heck that is one of my tweets uh my videos and i was actually a big fan of yours but you shared one of my tweets uh when i said black people need to stop begging the government and go and do for self out in our communities you shared the video and called me an idiot i didn't see anything idiotic about that statement no no no, no, no. so when you say do for self like what? Mm-hmm. Explain that. Okay. Okay. You got to break it down from him. He's not the smartest. Uh, he's not the brightest peach. <laughs> For example, uh, here in Albany, Georgia, we complain about our school systems a lot. Many of our young men can't read. Uh, they have very hor- horrible literacy rates. We don't have any rehab programs here uh, for juvenile uh, offenders. What I decided to do, I started a program two years ago, decided to do for self, um, and I started taking children into my home. Uh, I started taking custody of kids from juvenile court, and I started molding them and training them and teaching them skill trades, et cetera. Now I'm 21 years old. I just purchased a school here in Albany, Georgia, to come back us being in the government-funded schools that are not teaching our children's, children what they need to learn. Um, so that's what I mean by do for self, simply getting up and going out and do it. So I have a question. The stereotype 
that I'm young, black in America, and I can't do anything because somebody's holding me down. Talk. So, so a question. You, you, some you, teenagers you, went and, go ahead. Me and some teenagers went and bought a school, <laughs> and we just bought a school bus simply going out and straight. doing work. We decided to go fix our own communities. I'm not expecting anything from no politician. I'm not expecting nothing from Donald Trump, Joe Biden, or nobody. We're going to go do it for ourselves, and that's what I believe we need to be doing. I can vote, sure, but nothing's going to change in our community. So, so you went to... Now that is what you call, that embodies my belief system, 110%. Do for self. You're only responsible for your life. No one else is responsible for your life. That embodies what I believe, 110%. That guy, that young man, King Randall, I believe is his name, set up a complete and in penetrable argument against the status mentality of these race hustlers that Malcolm X warned us so very, 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 very long ago about how I wish, how I wish we would take his warning. And I'm going to play his warning in a minute. Moving to the immigration question, the question of immigration, and I've shared to this extent, um, I've shared to this extent before, but I want to share once again, for those who are new to the channel, never seen anything that I've done, or this is maybe your first time watching, I will cover this obsessively for perpetuity until we get it through our heads. That illegal immigration is not only bad for our country in the sense that it it, it undercuts people who come here the proper way, people who go through the process, you cut, you undercut them by and large, but it hurts the black community in that it takes resource it reorients resource from black people and from the black community and gives it to gives it to individuals that are not legal citizens. The question or the argument that many on the left have, I don't share this argument, I'm actually anti-reparations, but the, the argument for reparations is that we are citizens, we helped build this country, and you never paid us back in essence for uh, um for that that work for building this country you never gave us reparations right you never gave us uh, a, a recompense a payment a, a, a due pay right that's the ge- ge- general argument of those who are for reparations of course there's some nuances there and some people go into more detail again i'm anti-immigrant i'm anti-reparations um, the argument that i have that they have for reparations it seemingly does not apply for illegal immigration, which is the basis that you are a citizen. And because you are a citizen, you do these things. It makes no sense, Joe Biden, or whoever is the elected official that thinks this is okay, to throw money at a problem, giving greater incentive for more illegals to come think you're going to solve that problem. Case in point, the latest in the in the, the, the border crisis, which some mainstream media outlets are having to now admit is a crisis, is that you have people coming in, pouring over, coming in droves on the express notion that you, Joe Biden, will let them in, right? They believe you. They believe what you're saying. They think you're going to let them in. So what do they do? They come. Joe Biden's solution or part of his so-called solution, it's not really a solution, it's going to worsen the problem, is spending nearly $90 million to house these people in hotels. How does that solve the problem? If I'm hearing that, if I'm hearing that, and I'm seeing that, and I'm in another country, and I want to come here, and I'm hearing that, that incentivizes me to come. That incentivizes me to come and come so illegally. Why? Because I know there's benefits in it. 
That's not going to incentivize me to come the proper way. You can use the argument, yes, we're a nation of immigrants. All right, we've seen, we've sang that, that same old song for years now. Yes, we get it. We're a nation of immigrants. However, when we look at a nation, a nation has borders, a nation has laws. And when people circumvent that law, circumvent those borders, you create and make room for chaos. Illegal immigration hurts the unskilled. Unskilled, by definition, is simply those without a college diploma, a college degree, maybe some high school or maybe just high school. Those, that's the definition of an unskilled worker. There are many unskilled workers, sadly, in the black community due to lack of going to college. Why, did it, why, they, why don't they go to college? Well, that's another, that's another conversation. Some because financial, purely financial reasons. They can't afford it. Some cultural reasons. They, they, don't, they're not grow, they don't grow up with the mindset or, the, or it's not instilled in them to go to college, to, pers to pursue higher education. That's another reason. It's other reasons other than jumping to racism, racism, racism. However, for those so concerned about black people, so-called liberals, right? So-called white liberals. For those who so are, so are so concerned about black people, you're pushing a policy, a set of policies, at least as it concerns immigration and some other things, that are really anti-black and that really hurt the black community. I want, to, I want you guys to listen to this video from TD Hip Hop's YouTube channel. I reference him a lot. I, I react to his stuff a lot. But listen to what he has to say about this with his sources cited with factual information. I'll interject every now and then, but listen to what he has to say about it. We anticipate in the next 10 to 12 years, approximately 8 to 6 million Hispanics coming into the United States and 41 million Asians. You have been the majority minority for 400 years in this country. You're going to get, you have been the number two population for 400 years. You're going to get kicked out of being number two. You're going to go down and become number four. Now, common sense, even a third grade education would tell you, if you didn't get anything when you were number two, you all jumped ahead of me. But anyway, you can guess what you're going to get when you become number four. Let's stop there. Black people have been the majority minority in this country for how long? Like, sincerely, how long have we been the majority minority in this country? I, I think it's time we look at that. I think it's time, it's time we talk about that. When other groups come and do so illegally, meaning they come here without merit and do so illegally it hurts the least of these so so to speak it hurts particularly a certain community i want to give the rationale to we're going to get into the rationale in a second but think about this this border crisis says that one of the headlines was this and i want to you may hear the newspaper ruffling i want to cite the headline for you hardcore news this is one of, it's not that we're anti-immigration, those who are for stronger borders. It's that we see common sense immigration as the best approach. In that, if there's common sense immigration, what happens? You prevent cartels, human sex trafficking. Headline, as cartels get stronger due to border chaos, more violence expected in the U.S. 
as cartel gets as cartels get stronger. Why? Due to the border crisis. Who's loving more so than anything right now this border crisis? Drug cartels, human sex traffickers. They're loving more so than anything this border crisis, this open border confusion that good intentions have gotten us here. Your intentions for a policy can be good doesn't mean the policy is good itself, period. Period. Your intentions for a policy can be good does not mean, nor has it ever meant, that that policy itself is good. Let's keep listening. One of the most diabolical anti-black racist practices that the United States government has consistently done throughout the years to undermine the descendants of American slavery has been the way in which they consistently make it a point to prioritize the well-being and financial prosperity of immigrants over their very own black citizens. Now, please hear me clearly, because the argument that I'm going to make here is an old one. This is an argument that Martin Luther King Jr. has made multiple times. But you don't have to believe me because I'll let King tell you himself. Again, what I'm saying is nothing new. What I'm saying is nothing new. What I'm saying here about immigration is nothing new. Get beyond the talking points of modern day wokeism and think deeply about these issues. Let's listen. There has never been a single solid, determined commitment on the part of the vast majority of white Americans on the question of genuine equality for the black man. In 1863, the Negro was freed from the bondage of physical slavery through the Emancipation Proclamation. But he wasn't given any land to make that freedom meaningful. And you know, it was something like having a man unjustly imprisoned for 30 or 40 years, and suddenly you discover that he's innocent, that he's been unjustly jailed for 30 or 40 years, then you simply go up to the man and say, now you are free. But you don't give him any bus fare to get to town. You don't give him any money to buy any clothes to put on his back. You don't give him any money to get on his feet so that he can rise up once more as a man. But this is what happened to the black man in America. And we must remember this. That at the very same time when America refused to give the black man anything, they said, you're free. He was left penniless, illiterate, standing out in a situation not knowing what to do and where to go. But we must not forget that at the same time the Negro was being treated like this. America was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest. It says that our country was willing to undergird its white peasants from Europe with an economic floor. But it refused to undergird its black peasants who were brought in chains from Africa with an economic floor. And so emancipation for the Negro was freedom to hunger. 
It was freedom to the winds and rains of heaven. It was freedom without a roof over their heads. Freedom without bread to eat. Freedom without land to cultivate. It was freedom and famine at the same time. And it is a miracle that the Negro has survived. I want to stop there for a second. Understanding what what he had to say there, understanding what was said there, freedom and famine at the same time. Black people have been free since 1865 as it concerns physical slavery, as it concerns being acclimated and having their rights granted to others in the Constitution equally protected and extended to us. That's been since the 1960s. We are now free and still, by and large, in famine. What do I mean? What do I mean when I say black people in America are still free, but by and large, in a famine, experiencing freedom and famine, as Martin Luther King said so many so long ago. Freedom and famine at the same time. What do I mean? I mean we are we are free. There is no law on the books that anyone with any intellectual honesty can point to that says this is against black people. There are no segregation laws, at least in sane civil society. There are no segregation laws that says black people can't go here and only white people can go here. There is none of that. No longer is it okay for another human being in the West, at least, to own another human being. We still see much of that going on in Africa today. But we are free. Black people are the most privileged people of African descent anywhere on the planet. Anywhere on the planet. Yet, we are experiencing severe famine. What do we mean? Freedom and famine at the same time. We're meaning that black people, by and large, are still, many of them, mentally chained. And I say them because I don't include myself in this group or this demographic that has submitted to the victimhood narrative that they will always be, just because of the color of their skin, born a victim. I don't submit to the Trevor Noah theology that I am born a crime or born a victim or born this. No. There is an opportunity set before black people, unlike any other people of African descent ever in this country called the United States of America, to choose victimhood or victorhood. What will we choose? You've seen the dark night of famine. You've seen the hopelessness of segregation. We've seen all of this as a history and a story people. I understand that. No one is negating that or denying that. But the question now is, what do we do? What do we do? And this push for immigration is not, hear me, it is not, it is not helping us. It's hurting us. Let's see how. So as you can clearly see, this has been going on for over a century. This includes Asian immigrants. Asian immigrants have always been welcomed into this country on the basis of education and employment. And furthermore, they've been favored over Black Americans as well. Everything that I'm saying right now can be backed up by history and data. And I'll be going more into detail about this in a future video, but let this much sit on your mind for a moment. Between 1950 and 1964, 6,000 Korean students entered the United States, many of whom were professionals like medical doctors, lawyers, and professors. Now, let me back it up for a moment so you can really process what I just said. 
while you were fighting court battles like Brown versus Board of Education, literally risking your life to get a decent education, the U.S. government was flying in Korean students, giving them access to institutions that you were barred from. Brothers and sisters, please stop letting other people of so-called color make comparisons to the plight and struggles of the descendants of American slavery. It is not the same on any level. But let's move on because I digress. Now, currently, we're headed into the Biden-Harris administration. And what they're going to do is prioritize roughly 9 million Hispanic immigrants and the Hispanic community at large over the black community. Now, how do I know this? I know this because that's what Joe Biden said he was going to do. You don't believe me? Here's Joe Biden in his own words telling you what he's going to do after being asked a very direct question about reparations for the descendants of American slavery. Vice President Biden, do you support reparations? I want you to watch and listen to this. The question for the moderator, and I've went over this many, many times. The question from the moderator was, do you support reparations? That's a poignant question about a poignant people, about a specific thing. If you oppose reparations, say you're opposed to reparations, Joe Biden. I'm opposed to reparations. But if you're for reparations, say you're for reparations. I'm still be opposed to reparations. But nevertheless, pick a position. Watch how he instantly deflects and goes to immigration. Immigration is the issue now of the day. It's no longer Black Lives Matter. That's only to get votes and get people energized out to vote. It's no longer about that. It's no longer about, um, you know, say her name and all of that. That's just to get you angry, get you emotional so you can vote for her. That's all that is. It's a political stunt. That's all it is for them. That's why they do nothing. They change nothing. But listen to how he instantly deflects and goes right directly to immigration when asked a poignant question about reparations. Well, let me, since I haven't spoken on this, got a chance. Um, number one, the reason we're the country we are is because of immigration. We've been able to cherry pick the best from every single continent. The people who come here have determination, resilience. They are ready to stand up and work like the devil. We have. When did she say anything about immigration? 24 out of her 100 children in our school today is Hispanic. The idea that we are going to walk away and not provide every opportunity for them is not only stupid and immoral, but it's bad for America. They are the future of America, and we should invest in them. Everybody will benefit from it, every single American, and you should get used to it. This is a nation of immigrants. That's who we are. That's why we're who we are. That's what makes us different. And we should invest in it. Thank you, Mr. Biden. <laughs> and they Mr. clap. Sorry, you like you said something. He even goes on to say this on his website on the page titled Joe Biden and the Latino Community. And it reads like this. Biden has worked with and supported the Latino community for decades, standing shoulder to shoulder with President Obama to pass the landmark Affordable Care Act, strengthening workers' rights and defeating the National Rifle Association to ban assault weapons and higher capacity magazines. Further, during the Obama years, the high school dropout rate among Latinos were reduced by more than half. The administration's economic recovery programs helped to slash Latino unemployment to 5.9% in 2016, down from a nearly 13% peak in 2009. Now, here's the important part. And Biden led the administration's Central America strategy, securing $750 million to invest in the security and prosperity of El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras so fewer families 
would ever have to make the unforgiving journey north. So hold on just a moment. $750 million. And just recently, $90 million more million to house illegal immigrants in hotels. But yet black people are still out here begging for reparations. When are we going to wake up? You know what? I'm not going to go on that tangent right now. Let's just keep on moving forward. Joe Biden knows the Latino community and they know him. He will be ready on day one to implement the changes needed for the Latino community to thrive. I repeat, he will be ready day one to implement the changes needed for the Latino community to thrive. Mm -hmm. So what does that all actually mean for Black America? Well, I'll let Dr. Claude Anderson answer that question, and then we'll get back to the discussion. I want to get into Dr. Claude Anderson's response, but I want to say this. I want to make this clear. I want to make this concise. I want this to be clear so that it's no confusion, that no one mistakenly gets it mixed up, that you heard something you didn't hear. Let me say it clearly. Let me say it concisely. We're going to hear Dr. Clara Anderson's response. Then I'm going to play uh, the clip from uh, Malcolm X proving this and showing this. And then I'm going to do my closing remarks on this particular episode of Changing the Narrative. I want I want to be extremely clear here. This is not a hate-filled, oh, we're more oppressed than you, we deserve this. No, this is not an oppression Olympics type thing, nor am I advocating for that. I don't do the pro-oppression Olympics thing, I'm more oppressed than you, so I deserve more. No. Again, I'm anti-reparations, I'm anti but I'm using this argument and the logic, some of the logic of the left, to explain to them how they're advocating policies that hurt black people. By, by, by numbers, by metrics, by data, not by opinion, not by feeling, it is proven that immigration, illegal, particularly illegal immigration, not, not legal immigration, go through the process and actually become a citizen of the United States of America. No, not any of that. I'm all for that, 110% for that. We need more of that. But illegal immigration hurts unskilled workers, which is by and large disproportionately black people. That is an empirical fact. So the question to my community, to us black people is, when are we going to wake up on the issue? When are we going to stop allowing our talking points, our thinking about issues be dictated to us from the orthodoxy of white liberals and when are we going to stand up for what we believe that's good and better and best for us when are we going to stop allowing white liberals to dictate and to place certain types of black people in front of us and parade them around as if they speak for all black people like your michelle obama's like your cardi b's like your lecrae's like your Jamal Bryant's, like your Sean King's, like your Roland Martin's. Because guess what? Those people I just named and more don't speak for black people. They probably speak for one person here, one person here, a few people here, but they by and large speak for and to the orthodoxy of white liberalism. When are we going to call it out as a community? When are we going to call it out? Let's keep listening. We're going to have an unending influx of immigrants into the country. And that's what Dr. Price is talking about. And nobody, no black politician, no black organization wants to deal with that issue. They will avoid it at all costs. Yep. Even though in their hearts they know that's one of the biggest problems for black folk. Yep. We anticipate in the next 10 to 12 years, approximately 8 to 6 million Hispanics coming into the United States and 41 million Asians. You have been the majority minority 
for 400 years in this country. You're gonna get, you have been the number two population for 400 years. You're gonna get kicked out of being number two, you're gonna go down and become number four. It's slowly now, happening. Now common sense, even a third grade education would tell you, if you didn't get anything when you were number two. No black politician talks about this. Yeah. You all jumped ahead of me, but anyway, you can guess what you're gonna get when you become number four. The great Dr. Claude Anderson spent 30 plus years warning us about this moment. And here we are. Shout out to Jim Clyburn, John Lewis, Sheila Jackson Lee, and all of the other great politicians that were supposed to be representing the black community. You have done a phenomenal job. Thank you so much in protecting Joking. the black community. They've done nothing. But all sarcasm aside now, and in all seriousness, you have to start asking yourself, what does it mean to be fourth on the population list while at the same time being the poorest group of people in this country? Well, Dr. Claude Anderson, please take it away again. And the worst part about it is as you, be, as you descend and go down to number four, those other groups are gonna go up. And as they go past you, you're gonna have major racial clashes in this country. You have fights all over this country between blacks and Hispanics. Blacks and Asians, Blacks and poor whites. And Black folk cannot fight all these groups. Everybody can all not always be against Black folk. They know that we are vulnerable and we are defenseless. And we. Let's stop there. Let's stop there. I think that above anything else is key. I think we must understand the moment we're in. Unlike anything else, we are seeing an erosion. Dr. Clark Anderson, I'm going to play back what he said, the results of immigration, illegal immigration, and this class war, which will eventually lead to communism. And what we're seeing with the Asian hate and, and stop Asian hate, it is all... Um, a, a tactful ploy to dodge the real issues in our society. Race is the Trojan horse of the 21st century that is being pushed into the, into the gate of society that is going to lead to the destruction of society by and through communism. Again, I want to go back and play what Dr. Claude Anderson said, just so we can be clear, just so we can understand what, what, what he meant by it. Just so we can understand what he meant by, because he has he's he has insight beyond beyond what any black leader is saying today. Let's listen. And the worst part about it is, as you be, as you descend and go down to number four, those other groups are gonna go up, and as they go past you, you're gonna have major racial clashes in this country. You have fights all over this country between blacks and Hispanics, blacks and Asians, blacks and poor whites. And black folk cannot fight all these groups. Everybody can all not always be against black folk. They know that we are vulnerable and we are defenseless. And we cannot fight those groups. Now, let me elaborate. We 
cannot fight those groups. What are you talking about? I, I do. I think there's going to be some classist, racist war. I think elitist people would like to see that. I think those who are so-called um, pro-black advocates would like to see that. But what you have in this country is an ignoring of black issues, uh, a, a outright distorting of black issues to the point where they mean nothing. And you have people like, and I want to show you these idiots. You have idiots like Cori Bush, idiots like Issa Rae or whatever her name. Uh, it, uh, idiots like Sean King and Roland Martin who speak or supposed to speak for the black community but don't talk about this particular issue. I just showed you, just talked about how it's reported that this is going to, this this thing that we call illegal immigration, i.e. open borders, allowing any and everybody into the country without vetting them, is going to create and and, and foster more violence and more issues within our country. I've just talked about that, just shows you a report about that. But yet, it's going to disproportionately hurt black people. Because I guarantee you, those coming through that southern, southern border and other borders, they ain't coming to the suburbs with Sally and Sue. They're going to the ghettos and to the hood with DeMarcus, Marcus, Keisha, and Kimberly. And it's just the truth. To end this, I want to play for you what Malcolm X had to say. Malcolm X had to say, I think, a lot that we ignore because it doesn't, I think he would be called a sellout today in modern standards, but just based on some of the things he said. Because he called out white liberals, unlike anyone else ever. He called them out and he shared what I think to be one of the most provocative warnings as it concerns how progressivism, liberalism, how that particular thing is infiltrating and hurting the black community. Let's listen. Friendly and being a friend, I think, are two different things. I think there are many whites who act friendly toward Negroes. A fox acts, acts friendly toward the lamb. And usually the fox is the one who ends up with the lamb chop on his plate. Mm -hmm. The wolf doesn't act friendly, and therefore the wolf has more difficulty in getting the lamb chop in his plate. I'd like to point out, though, that... I, I, I say that because it is usually the, if you study the structure of the Negro community, economically, politically, civically, psychologically, and otherwise, it's controlled by the white liberal, mm -hmm. who usually poses as the friend of the Negro, who actually differs from the white conservative in, in the same way that the fox differs from the wolf. I'm suspicious of whites who join Negroes and always have to be in the lead, who always have to be the head, who always have to be at the top in Negro organizations. Those whites who really have the interest of blacks at heart, let them give some advice to some Negroes and stand on the sideline, but don't join the organization and then get at the head of it and pose as a friend of Negroes. Today, you can point to a large number of, of Negro leaders who have consistently betrayed Negroes in a whole host of areas. They aren't really Negro leaders. These are puppets that have been put in front of the Negro community by white liberals. Talk. These are parrots Obama, that have been Maxine put in front Waters. of the Negro community Talk. by white liberals. Michelle Obama, me. Sean a King. Negro leader who has been, a Negro leader who Talk. has been betrayed, who has betrayed Negroes, who, is not, who has not been endorsed, sanctioned, 
uh, subsidized and Van supported Jones. by the white liberal. Perfect. He said it better than anyone I think ever could. We're at a moment of decision, I believe, in the black community. A moment of decision unlike anything else in the history of our nation. And it's up to us. It's up to us to, to, to talk about the issues, to, to talk about the issues that matter. And illegal immigration, beyond anything else, will hurt and does hurt the black community. It's a fact. It's a sad fact. But no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to go there. Everyone wants to be silent on the issue or side with the orthodoxy of white liberals. I've often said that they ask, what do we do with black people? What do we do for black people? How do we solve black people's problems? I have two words, three words, really. Leave us alone. I'm of the mindset that we opened this show with that King Randall told and had to remind and explain and break down to the infantile or the infant known as Roland Martin. I'm of that same mind that we must do for ourselves. I'm not expecting anyone on a personal level, on a communal level, to do anything for me. I want government as small as possible. Why? Because the smaller the government, the bigger the freedom. The bigger the government, the smaller the freedom. And I wholeheartedly believe that. Here's what Frederick Douglass, if you don't want to take my word, here's what Frederick Douglass had to say about it. And I've shared this quote many times. Here's what he's had to say about it. He said this, abolitionist Frederick Douglass speaking at a Boston gathering in Massachusetts of the anti-gathering, of the anti-slavery society. He said, everybody has asked the question and they learned to ask it early on about the abolitionist. What should we do with the Negro, said Douglass. He says, I have had but one answer from the beginning. Do nothing with us. You're doing with us already played the mischief with us. Do nothing with us. If the apples will not remain on the tree of their own strength, if they are warm, if they are warm eaten at the core, if they are early ripe and disposed to fall, let them fall. And if the Negro cannot stand on his own legs, let him fall also. All I ask is give him a chance to stand on his own legs. All I ask of the white liberals who have the savior complex they need to save us and your Chelsea handlers who had to remind 50 Cent that he was black all I say to you, white liberals, and it's not coming from a place of hate, a place of disgust. It's not coming from any of that. All I say to you is leave us alone. Let us stand on our own. Let us do for ourselves. Black America, hear me, hear me clearly. I want to be concise in this. Black America will never see true progress. I'm not talking about fake political power, giving, giving us a token position and give us a photo op. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about true progress where our culture is not degenerating to uh, the WAP and our culture is not degenerating to uh, uh, stereotypes of black men and women sanctioned by white liberals. The only way we will progress, the only way we will get better as a society and as a culture and as a community is by and through focusing on the real issues plaguing the black community. Ignoring those issues, deflecting to other issues that are not necessarily issues to non-issues, or majoring in the minors is not going to help us. The greatest issue facing the black community is father absence, period, point blank. 
you can trace nearly everything going on to the black community and to the breakdown and the breakdown of the morale of men and women, young boys and young girls. More people are shot in the city of Chicago than in our war zones. That's a problem. Most of them being black people. We will only begin to solve. We will only begin to deal with. We will only begin to heal. We will only begin to deal with the issues in our community by talking about them, by speaking about them, by addressing them, by name, and not submitting to the orthodoxy of white liberals that want to pontificate about racism and not do anything about anything. They will talk about, oh, racism, black people being killed. Oh my gosh, it's a massacre. It's black people, lives are on the line. We've been hunted by, we've been hunted by the police, but ignore abortion. The greatest killer of black and brown people on the planet and in the United States right now. More black babies in some of our major cities like Chicago, particularly New York, more black babies are aborted in a year in New York than are born. We will only, hear me, we will only begin to have true progress in our community by dealing with the issues and not deflecting or ignoring them. The elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about anymore is father absence. When that is the greatest problem within the black community, let's talk about it. Let's get real. If you're really pro-black, let's talk about it. If you're really for black people, let's talk about it. If you're really down for the cause, let's talk about it. I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for being with me for this particular episode of Changing Narrative. Again, this podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms. It's available, video version, most of the time on YouTube. Please, if you are watching on YouTube or if you find my YouTube, like, subscribe, share, tell others about this podcast as well. Please, 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 whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, subscribe and share this podcast with others. You're able to donate and help us with the link in the description as well. Going to uh, jshakorshow.com. You're able to help support this podcast. Again, that's jshakorshow.com. You can email me at jwanshakor, that's J-A-Y-J-U-A-N, Shakur, S-H-A-K-U-R, at gmail.com. You can email, email me there for feedback, for if you want private feedback, give it to me. If you want to request to be on the show, I'm more than happy to talk with you. Again, again, you can support us by going to jshakorshow.com or, or hitting the link in the description where it talks about donating. Help support this show. It's 100% viewer support. You bring this show. You provide this show. You allow the show to, you make this show possible. Again, thank you all for listening. guys. for tuning in. Before we go, I got to remind you something coming out June 15th. Of this year. Gotta, 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 gotta remind you. I started writing when I was about nine or ten years old uh, in a little notebook. I wrote what would become a play. Um, theater, many don't know, is and was the first love of mine. Um, I did it for three, four plus years um, in local settings and churches at my high school, and it was fun. And I eventually moved into writing other things like books about what I was being taught, what I was learning. A matter of choice is really me turning the page. It's a release. It's me turning the page, going on to what I believe is the next chapter of my life. Hopefully people can learn from it, laugh at it, and get to know me more. At the end of the day, I'm a storyteller. I have one ultimate goal. That is to provoke people 
to think freely. And as a result, they'll live fully. You don't become what you want because so much of wanting is about living in the space of what you don't have. I believe that we all share this common desire. We all want to be liked. We all want to be accepted. Everything we do in some way considers that fact. You can't play life if you don't have a vision. You don't build your character because, you know, you know letting go of your ego. Thank you for listening.